welcome everyone to Understanding the I Am That Is You podcast. Yay! Hey everybody, it's your girl Wynn Ruffin, and I pray all is well with everyone tonight. And your hearts and minds are full of love, joy, and compassion for everyone everywhere, all over the world. But if not, let us keep working on it. Starting first with loving and forgiving ourselves, which builds a momentum of love and light and positive energy in our inner and outer worlds, making it easier for all of us to love one another. Because love is light and it eliminates its opposite. And when we continuously focus on loving and honoring our own life stream, then the love and light and positive energy of our mighty I Am Presence will begin to overflow and radiate the atmosphere about us, not only raising our individual vibrations and transforming our negative actions into positives, elevating the quality of our thoughts and actions, but the love and light of our life stream is our divine access to those broader dimensions of our heart, mind, and spirit, and it is the divine power within all of us to defeat the darkness. Amen. Give thanks and praises for love and life. And y'all be loved. This tribute to the great angelic host is made with all the gratitude of our hearts for their existence in this universe. To the various angels, always with us, but whom we had forgotten for so long, we welcome you in the name of the beloved mighty I am presence and the great host of ascended masters. We salute you with the sign of the heart, head, and hand. We accept you into the physical action of our daily lives as we give conscious recognition to you, now and forever. Beloved Archangel Michael says, Sometimes you know, it takes a great deal of patience for us to wait upon wayward humanity year after year, after they've been given the pearls of existence on a golden platter, just wait until they get through following their own experiment with misery. I'm speaking of this tonight because the conscious understanding of what the angelic hosts do to assist mankind must come to the intellect of human beings who are intelligent enough to understand it. If I were you who abide within this city, Los Angeles, I certainly would not let the day go by that I did not give love and gratitude and recognition to all the angelic hosts who have ministered here in the past, who guard your destiny of the future, and who abide with you in the present. These are friends to life. The angelic hosts are guardians of good. They are the masters and the victorious presence of love, love that mankind understands as yet, very little of its blessings to life. And all of that is waiting, waiting, waiting for recognition, for acceptance, for use and for your call, that it may come into physical conditions and manifest its control and transmuting love to raise those conditions into the perfection of our octave. So, beloved ones, when you realize how wonderful these great beings are, and how many ascended masters and cosmic beings, and those of the angelic host, are ever ministering to the people of this world, and ever awaiting an opening and an opportunity to give only the blessings that bring happiness to all, and yet mankind go on oblivious of their divine presence, simply because their attention is occupied with their own desires. 
I am drawing forth from within you the latent memory of the reality of the angelic host and of some of their blessings that you have received in the centuries past. There isn't a one in this room tonight who hasn't in the past had some conscious contact with the angelic host, through which was received divine assistance of transcendent power. Now I would be very grateful if you would call for the authority of the angelic host and the miracle love which they send to this earth, to charge forth into the desires of the feeling world of mankind, and see if we cannot awaken the eternal, divine desire within the feeling world to become like the angels. Mankind, O oh mankind! Awaken tonight to the divine beings who hold their hands out to you for assistance, who have poured love through the ages, who stand awaiting the opportunity to consume, like a scroll in the heavens, the unfortunate creation that selfishness has imposed upon God's universe. We would appreciate a decree that would compel mankind to awaken to the reality of the angelic host, to the understanding of their service, and to some gratitude to that divine life, that has blessed them, and always blesses them so greatly from the octaves above. There are uncountable legions of angels whose love would make you weep with joy, were you to see their approach at your call. So often mankind have thought the guardian angels were only for children, and it just happens that all mankind are children. So, since it is my privilege to wield certain authority in the awakening of mankind to that which the angelic host are about to do, I am pleading for my friends. I trust you will accept them as your friends. A tribute to the great angelic host, the I Am Discourses. Isis Unveil, Chapter 15 It is on the strength of such circumstantial evidence, that of reasons and logic, that we affirm that, if Egypt furnished Greece with her civilization, and the latter bequeathed hers to Rome, Egypt herself had, in those unknown ages when Menes reigned, received her laws, her social institutions, her arts and her sciences, from pre-Vedic India, and that therefore, it is in that old initiation of the priests, adepts of all the other countries, we must seek for the key to the great mysteries of humanity. And when we say, indiscriminately, India, we do not mean the India of our modern days, but that of the archaic period. In those ancient times countries which are now known to us by other names were all called India. There was an upper, a lower, and a western India, the latter of which is now Persia Iran. The countries now named Tibet, Mongolia, and Great Tartary, were also considered by the ancient writers as India. We will now give a legend in relation to those places which science now fully concedes to have been the cradle of humanity. Tradition says, and the records of the great book explain, that long before the days of Adam, and his inquisitive wife, Heva, where now are found but salt lakes and desolate barren deserts, there was a vast inland sea, which extended over Middle Asia, north of the proud Himalayan range, and its western prolongation. An island, which for its unparalleled beauty had no rival in the world, was inhabited by the last remnant of the race which preceded ours. This race could live with equal ease in water, air, or fire, for it had an unlimited control over the elements. These were the sons of God, not those who saw the daughters of men, but the real Elohim, though in the Oriental Kabbalah they have another name. It was they who imparted nature's most weird secrets to men, and revealed to them the ineffable, and now lost word. This word, which is no word, has traveled once around the globe, and still lingers as a far-off dying echo in the hearts of some privileged men. The hierophants of all the sacerdotal colleges were aware of the existence of this island, 
but the word was known only to the Java Alaim or chief lord of every college and was passed to his successor only at the moment of death. There were many such colleges, and the old classic authors speak of them. H.P. Blavatsky We have already seen that it is one of the universal traditions accepted by all the ancient peoples that there were many races of men interior to our present races. Each of these were distinct from the one which preceded it, and each disappeared as the following appeared. In Manu, six such races are plainly mentioned as having succeeded each other. From this Manu Swayam Huva, the minor and answering to Adam Kodman, issued from Swayam Huva or the being existing through himself, descended six other manas, men typifying progenitors, each of whom gave birth to a race of men. These manas, all-powerful, of whom Swayam Huva is the first, have each, in his period, Antara, produced and directed this world composed of movable and unmovable beings. Manu, Book I. In the Shiva Purana, it runs thus. O Shiva, thou god of fire, mayest thou destroy my sins, as the bleaching grass of the jungle is destroyed by fire. It is through thy mighty breath that Adhima, the first man, and Hiva, completion of life in Sanskrit, the ancestors of this race of men have received life and covered the world with their descendants. There was no communication with a fair island by sea, but subterranean passages known only to the chiefs, communicated with it in all directions. Tradition points to many of the majestic ruins of India, Alora, Elephanta, and the caverns of Ajanta, Chandor Range, which belonged once to those colleges, and with which were connected such subterranean ways. Who can tell but the lost Atlantis, which is also mentioned in the secret book, but, again, under another name, pronounced in the sacred language, did not exist yet in those days. The great lost continent might have, perhaps, been situated south of Asia, extending from India to Tasmania? If the hypothesis now so much doubted, and positively denied by some learned authors who regard it as a joke of Plato's, is ever verified, then, perhaps, will the scientists believe that the description of the God-inhabited continent was not altogether fable. And they may then perceive that Plato's guarded hints and the fact of his attributing the narrative to Solon and the Egyptian priests, were but a prudent way of imparting the fact to the world and by cleverly combining truth and fiction, to disconnect himself from a story which the obligations imposed at initiation forbade him to divulge. And how could the name of Atlanta itself originate with Plato at all? Atlante is not a Greek name, and its construction has nothing of the Grecian element in it. Brasser de Bourbourg tried to demonstrate it years ago, and Baldwin, in his Prehistoric Nations and Ancient America, cites the former, who declares that the words Atlas and Atlantic have no satisfactory etymology in any language known in Europe. They are not Greek, and cannot be referred to any known language of the Old World. But in the Nahuatl, or Toltec, language, we find immediately the radical A, ATL, which signifies water, war, and the top of the head. From this comes a series of words, such as Atlan, or the border of or amid the water, from which we have the adjective Atlantic. We have also Atlica, to combat. A city named Atlan existed when the continent was discovered by Columbus, at the entrance of the Gulf of Urea, in Darien, with a good harbor. It is now reduced to an unimportant Pueblo, village, named Aklo. H.P. Blavatsky The I Am Discourses, Volume 15 
Beloved of the light, in the radiance which we are bringing tonight, I wish to remind you of your tremendous privilege in the use of the cosmic light, and I wish to thank you for everything, every call you have ever made that helps us to accomplish that which must be done in preventing mankind from going into any further destruction. You hardly have realized, beloved ones, what the cosmic light means to you all, and how it is released under your direction at your call. Not in any cycle of time in the past has the cosmic law permitted the release of that cosmic light substance from our octave of life, because in drawing it into the lower atmosphere of Earth, it energizes everything in the entire atmosphere of Earth. Mankind in the past, because of their frightful destructive accumulation, were not permitted to draw the cosmic energy into outer use such as you are doing today by your calls for the cosmic light. And my sister, the goddess of liberty, is one who was responsible, with myself, for determining to go to the great central sun and ask for the release of this power, at least to those who came under the mighty Saint Germain's direction. What the outer world calls the cosmic rays is not the power that we direct which you know of as the cosmic light. The cosmic light substance which comes forth at your call, my dear ones, is the direct radiation of light substance from the ascended masters in the great central sun, and that is not the same as the great universal light substance which mankind know of as the universal energy that fills all space. The cosmic light substance which comes forth at your call, under our direction, is that which is drawn forth and qualified with the consciousness and perfection of the great cosmic beings in the central sun who give that of their own volition. It is the actual radiation from their own life streams, concentrated, qualified, and directed to do certain definite work wherever it passes by. Therefore, as it comes into the atmosphere of Earth and locates, so the people get the benefit of it, they absorb that, they breathe it in as you breathe in oxygen through the lungs. And as that fire enters into their mentality, into the mental and feeling world, it compels a certain amount of illumination to come to the consciousness of the mass of people. This is a lifting power to the whole of mankind. It also increases the vibratory action tremendously of the powers of nature, and even into the atmosphere of Earth. It is not what you call the air you breathe. That is of an intensity that is adjusted to your atomic structure, but the cosmic light substance that enters into the mental and feeling world of mankind, absolutely annihilates wrong thoughts and wrong feelings, and as it were, draws the life flame and the constructive impulses from within the outer self into greater action, and fans that until it expands and holds the balance against destructive forces. Thank you for your decree tonight for the white fire of the cosmic light to come forth everywhere within the nation, and fire the people awake and blast them free, for it does exactly that thing in their mental and feeling world, and heaven knows, they need it. I'll tell you, there shall come forth such light in the brain structure of mankind, there shall come forth such light in this government as shall compel destructive forces to fear longer to continue their destructive plans. You have no idea the degradation which they plan for you, and I tell you, if the American people knew their intent, if they knew the way and means that they would adopt, there isn't a person within your borders who is constructive who wouldn't arise and wipe out everything that seeks to destroy them. My dear ones, if you don't arise and wipe them out, they'll wipe you out. And aren't you more important on the earth than the destructive forces? Applause. Thank you so much, precious ones. Please be seated. Beloved Goddess of Light. Now remember this, everything that is of war, everything that is of communism, everything that is of the beast of destruction, is criminal insanity. And certainly you wouldn't give any quarter to that if it were acting through an individual. 
If the mind had completely gone off, and the feelings had become wholly destructive, you surely wouldn't hesitate to lease that body and keep it from injuring others, would you? Well, there's no difference between the mass accumulation of the communists and the war element, than there would be in a criminally insane individual. That is but the mass accumulation of many. So please don't allow the slightest feeling of lethargy to enter into your world at all, and don't allow any false sympathy to get hold of you. I'm warning you tonight because the forces of depravity are subtle in the extreme, and they don't miss an instant to connect you or your energy with something destructive if they can get your attention. Now you, on the other hand, mustn't miss a moment of keeping yourselves connected with your presence, with the ascended host, and of eating, sleeping, and breathing your connection with your presence and the source of perfection. Those are the forces suggested to mankind constantly, subtle means by which they gain the attention, and the next thing you know, evil has driven in. You must use your conscious understanding to command the outer attention of yourselves and others to be held to that mighty I am presence, to accept the ascended host, to see their manifestations, to understand their power, and know from whence comes the help that offsets the destructive forces. And I for one knew well enough their treachery and their subtle means of trapping individuals who are almost free. That's the reason I have come tonight, to make this clear to all of you, so you don't allow any false sympathy of any kind to enter in and imagine that these individuals have anything in their plans except enslaving you and degrading anything that is godlike or constructive. Remember this, for all that they call it, a world government, they do not have that back of their motive. Their motive is to destroy everything, and make no mistake about it. And if you imagine there is anything good in that kind of a government, you don't know the ABCs of wisdom. Now don't allow any sympathy or any acceptance of any argument in their favor. I have come to give this warning, because some of the students have been asleep in their feelings and imagine that these forces are not as vicious as they seem. They're far more so than you see on the surface, and I happen to know, because I have dealt with them. I'm here to protect you, and since you have made that call for the white fire substance of the cosmic light to come forth everywhere within the nation and fire the people awake and blast them free, your one decree tonight has opened the door to enable me to act in certain capacity that will bless you and your nation forever. Applause. Thank you, precious ones, with all my heart. We shall amplify that with power that the destructive forces shall know and understand and feel. Thank you. Won't you be seated please? Beloved Goddess of Light. Thank you.